Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Um, we've been dealing with a, a series called um, The Primacy of the Word, and our sub-theme up to this time has been The Prosperity of the Soul. Our key text is 3 John verse 2, where John, which is an aged, mature apostle, writes the following. Beloved, I pray above all things. Now the phrase above all things means he prioritizes this, above all things. In other words, I have many wishes for you, but this ranks right up there in my Esther. I pray above all things that you prosper and that you be in, you prosper in all respects and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And I say this to you, prosperity in all respects, that is physical prosperity, that is to be healthy, material prosperity, to be wealthy, to have all your physical needs met, spiritual prosperity, your relationship with the Lord, your, your mental prosperity, right? the sense of your, of your wisdom, your sagacity, your mindset, prosperity in every respect, John says, I pray that you prosper in all respects. Everyone say all respects. Now you can't focus on one aspect of prosperity. For many people, they will only focus on financial prosperity. No, Scripture says, uh, I call it total life prosperity. God wants total life prosperity for you. You must prosper in every respect, not just in one dimension. But the essential thing in that verse is this. I pray that you prosper in all respects and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So you will enter all expressions of prosperity to the degree that your soul is prospering. A prosperous soul is the prerequisite to enter prosperity in all respects. It's the first thing, in other words, you should focus on. God is saying, if you want this total life prosperity, focus on having a prosperous soul. And I feel many of us here have not fully got the revelation. Have not fully got it. Because I see evidence where, in terms of what we've heard, they're still waning in certain respects. Okay? If I say for you, for example, give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Then obey me. Tell your neighbor, listen to him. Right? If I say that to you, what? I'm not just talking empty. I'm giving you a key to your total well-being. So if you have propensity to be offended in any respect, and you're about to talk about the person, what must you do? You rather err on the side, no, he does not mean that deliberately. There's a valid reason for that. But I will not pollute my view or my soul in reference to him or her. I will keep the landscape of my soul and my spirit pure, having nothing in there that's going to disqualify me for the level of blessing that God has for me. Right? You always, uh, and ask Renee how I'm practicing this like vigorously, right? My view and my conversation right now, vastly different from even a year ago. So somebody's name pops up. Immediately, I err on the side of blessing them. I don't even talk negatively uh, about them. Even if 
Um, someone says, yes, but they did not greet you. I said, yes, there was a valid reason for that. They probably never see me. They say, yes, but they did see you. I, I will say they need glasses. <laughs> I'll find some excuse. I will never, I'm not allowing my soul to be captivated and quarantined and imprisoned by a view that's going to inhibit what God wants to do in my life. Right? Also, I'm forgiving so quickly. There's no chance for bitterness and unforgiveness to settle in my soul. The moment a temptation comes up to hold bitterness or a grudge, I forgive reflexively. You know why? When I stand before the Lord, I want to say like, the, like Jesus said to his disciples, the prince of this world has come, but he has no foothold. He has no topos. Remember topos? He has no, nothing in me that's going to give him leverage to do his business in my life. Right? Keep the landscape of your mind, your soul, and your spirit unfettered, uncluttered. Okay? Keep it free. So when God wants to find a man like Noah in the earth, I'm going to kill everybody in the earth, he says. But Noah finds grace in my sight. And what does Noah mean? Rest. Your soul has got to return to its rest. And I'm picking up in my spirit, even now as I'm speaking to you, by the spirit I know, there are many of you here whose souls are still in a state of dis-ease. From which we get the word diseased. Means not healthy. Not healthy for God to work through. And I'm saying, you know, every time we release a word, I know the principle, every time we release a word, the word will always be tested. And guess what? You've been exposed to this whole idea of a prosperous soul. And the fact that we released it meant God has thrust you into the test. So ask your neighbor, have you passed? Have you passed? Thomas said this to us at the last dialogues in Pinamarisburg about two or three weeks back. He said he knows that the apostolic has been for around almost for two decades. And now he, he, he senses by the Spirit there's a second wave of it coming. This is the Deuteronomy principle. You know the book of Deuteronomy is very similar to the book of Exodus in many respects. Deuter, the second, Deuter means second, not Romani. From nomos, nomos means law. So Deuteronomy is the law revisited or the law the second time. Whenever God stresses a principle and he always revisits it, he always, there's always the second time. Faith comes by and there's two hearings. There's the first hearing and there's the second hearing. And I feel many of us are on the second hearing, second time. You know what Peter says? I will not be negligent to say to you the things that I've said before so that you might be established in the present truth. Right? Repetition is the mother of all learning. And we will forever have need to say the things we've said before to say them again. But the critical point in this season is God is saying the Deuteronomy again. Thamo gave a caution to us in the last school. He said, I'm not certain whether there will be another chance after this. He said to us as pastors, so some of you have messed up the way you've dealt and, um, and the way you've um, administrated certain things in the kingdom. It's fine. You've repented. God forgave you. But now the second time, he's not certain whether there will be another chance. Right? And I want to say the same thing to us. Now is not the time to mess up. You can fail. Let me say it differently. 
If you wanted to fail, you should have done it last season. Now there's no, there's no, there's like no chance now. Right? Uh, failure now is going to be more costly than failure previously. Now the expectation of the Lord to be fruitful is much more urgent now than ever before. Right? And so really, uh, really um, perfect your obedience in the Lord fully as far as you, as far as you can. Okay? Okay. Now, in terms of this rest for the soul, last week and the week before, I spoke to you about being at peace. Everyone say peace. Because 1 Thessalonians 5, 22 and 23 says, Paul says, I pray that the God of peace sanctifies you wholly and that your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved, blameless unto the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next verse. Faithful is he who has promised, who himself will also do it. So, who is commanding the spirit, soul, and body to be complete and perfect. Paul says the God of peace. Did not say the God of love. Did not say the God of power. I would have, if I had written that scripture, I would have said, may the God of fire. <laughs> but Paul says, no, God in his peace disposition is going to do the sanctifying of spirit, soul, and body. Right? Now, remember what we said, and I, want, I don't want to painstakingly rehearse things that we've taught. Please get the series. I'm going to something new this morning. We defined um, completeness. Paul says your whole spirit, soul, and body must be complete. You must have a complete soul, complete spirit, complete body. That word complete in the Greek means nothing missing that was originally allocated for its wholeness. So you, God must give you a whole soul. David said, restore my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. Psalm 116 verse 7, return to your rest, O my soul. There's a rest that is given to you, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, but there's a rest that you must find, Matthew eleven twenty-nine. Come unto me, all ye that labor, I will give you. There's a rest that is given. But the next verse, learn of me and you will find. There's a rest that you must receive, but there's a rest that you're going to discover. And how you discover that rest for the soul is by learning of Christ. And I say this to you, the person of Christ will give you rest, but the principles of Christ will cause you to discover rest for your soul. Amen? So tell your neighbor, return to your rest. Now, quickly, I think, and we define rest over two sessions. I don't want to go through all of that. What I want to focus on today in terms of rest, part of a restful soul expression is a soul at peace. Is a soul not anxious. Is a soul in total composure, tranquility, and obedience. A soul in total, total equilibrium. Okay? Now, um, I say this to you. Peace is not so much an emotion or mental disposition as much as it is a person. Peace is not a mental state. Peace is a person. You've got to get this right. When I say be at peace, I'm not saying how are you? Yes, I'm alluding to your emotional state and how you're doing internally. Are you in peace or are you in anxiety? Are you in peace or are you in strife? Are you in unrest, etc.? Right? Peace is not simply the absence of strife. Right? Peace is the presence of God. Peace is not simply an emotion. 
Peace is a person. Peace is not a mental disposition. Peace is the divine nature of God himself. Ephesians 2.14a, God says, He himself is our peace. Who is our peace? Everyone say he. So he is our peace. Gideon called the Lord this in Judges 6 verse 23 and verse 24. Right? The Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built. Now think about this. The command comes to him, Peace to you. When God says, Peace to you, He's not saying, um, Yes, and he was wracked by fear in this context. God says, Peace to you. So when he received the peace, the fear left. Right? So even in that context, if you claim to have peace, you are saying, I have no fear. No fear in me. Right? Peace and, and when it wasn't simply like an impartation of a spirit. It was an impartation of God himself. When you receive peace, it's like receiving a substantial download of the person of Christ. Now notice his response. He receives this, fear goes, and he decides to build an altar. And he gives God a name, which we all know. It's the first time this name is used in the Bible. And Gideon called God this. It's like when Abraham called God Jehovah Jireh on the mount when he provided. Remember? And he claimed Jehovah Jireh. It's one of the redemptive names of God. Gideon called the Lord Jehovah Shalom. Then Gideon built an altar to the Lord and he named it. The Lord is peace. Everyone say Jehovah Shalom. Right? The Lord is peace. Isaiah 6 verse 9. Unto us a son is given, a child is born, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Tell your neighbor his name is Prince of Peace. His name is Prince of Peace. Names are not descriptors to identify persons. Names are indicators of nature and character. So when God says his name is Peace, he's Prince of Peace, one of the identities, one of the core characteristics of God is that he's not just peace, but he is the prince of it. And prince indicates kingship. Kingship indicates government. Government indicates authority and power. So what in my mind gives God power and authority is his peace. I'll show it to you just now. Peace is your authority. The moment I take away your peace, I've, I've robbed you of spiritual weight and authority. Now this is serious, very serious. I want to say it again. The moment I disturb your peace, I've aborted your capacity to exercise your spiritual authority. Right? Prince of peace, like Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Malki, king, Zedek, righteousness. Melchizedek, king of righteousness. What, what was the city that he was ruler of? Salem, which we get the word Jerusalem later. But before Jerusalem was Jerusalem, it was Salem. What does Salem mean? Peace. So this king of righteousness rules a city of peace. I love Michael Fenter's uh, uh, take in the song that he wrote. Lord, you reign over righteousness in me. 
Righteous and loving. This is your territory. Right? Righteousness and peace is the territory or the jurisdiction that God rules. You take away the domain of peace, there's no authority to govern. If you, in your marriage, for example, let me apply this practically. If there are issues between Renee and I, and the peace is broken, guess what? We stand vulnerable before satanic hosts. Right? The moment peace is broken, spiritual authority is taken away from you, and you expose and you find yourself vulnerable. This is also true in a local assembly. Disturb the peace, you compromise their corporate power. Hmm? Then they fall to pieces. What does Prince of Peace mean? Samson taught us this. Prince of Peace, in the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language, that little phrase is comprised of four words, shalom, and the Hebrew language is a picturesque language full of pictures. So Prince of Peace means he, the one who destroys the authority of the one who establishes disorder. The one who destroys the authority, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he has the authority to destroy the other one, Satan, who establishes disorder. Right? So can you see, even in the name, peace is not some weak position. Peace is not some fragile. He will, you know, we think of a peaceful person, oh, he's peace, peaceful, he's meek, he's gentle, he's mild. No, 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 don't temper with the peaceful person. His peace is his authority. Let me just say this. In two respects, you've got to be at peace internally, inside. You've got to be like God. His nature is peace. You've got to be peaceful. But you also got to be peaceable. I must have peace with my brother. I cannot have peace with my brother if initially within my own self, I can't even have peace with myself. Some of us are in conflict internally and we're battling to be peaceful with others. Two issues. Be peaceful and be peaceable. You won't fall to pieces. Okay. So whenever I think that as he is, so are we in this world. If he is prince of peace, if he is the one who destroys the authority of the, of the enemy who seeks to establish disorder in my life, that spirit lives in me. And this thing gripped me last night. And I had courage to do an email to someone. You know why? I acted in the authority of the Prince of Peace. There's disorder in a relationship. I said to myself, I'm not going to accept the status quo. I will take the initiative and make amends towards reconciliation, but I do it in a princely, peaceful authority. And in the back of my spirit, in my mind, I'm saying, as I type this, I'm saying, I destroy the one who seeks to establish disorder in this relationship. I destroy it in Jesus' name. You know what? You must never, in your attempts to seek reconciliation, don't do it as an ordinary man. You do it, it might be difficult, but you do it from an empowered spirit. You say, I, the Prince of Peace, rules. God is not the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14 actually says, Paul says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. 
order. Hey? Who's angry? I need to anger you righteously in the spirit today. Who's sick and tired of living in relationships that are causing you dis-ease? Then I'm saying rise up. This word must now translate into authority in you. Prince of peace must come resident in you. Rise up and say, I refuse to be a victim of an agenda of the enemy that's now imprisoning me. I want my soul to be at rest. My soul must be at peace. So this principle of Prince of Peace rises in me and it will destroy the one that seeks to establish disorder in my life. That's why Paul started every epistle, grace and peace, to you. Not just grace. We focus on grace for a large time. But now I really believe peace. Peace is like the central pillar to Titus, to Timothy, who are like-minded sons. Paul only, to those individuals, were the only two that Paul imparted three things when he wrote to them. Read it, check out all the other epistles, it's mainly two. Mainly grace and peace. To Titus and Timothy's grace, peace, and mercy from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ be to you. What you're going to need is more peace. You know, in this world, you will have trouble, not so? In the world, you will have trouble. What I'm saying is that your trouble won't lessen. Actually, your trouble is going to heighten. Telling them things and get worse. But I am arming you with a principle that's going to cause you to walk through. Walk through a war peaceably. I don't want to live 2014 the way most of 2013 went in terms of pressure and tension in some of my relationships. Right? I'm saying, God, that must be a feature of my past. You know why? I'm positioning myself for great prosperity. And I'm saying, I can't afford to be dragged away by some of these issues. Amen? So I'm saying, position yourself. It's going to happen. Amen? Position yourself. Everyone say, Prince of Peace. So the nature of God is peace, right? The scriptures distinguish between the peace of God and the God of peace, right? Now go to um, just a couple of scriptures. I'm going to share with you what I call peace of God scriptures. (laughs) This phrase recurs a lot throughout the Bible, peace of God, right? Peace of God scriptures. First one, quickly. Philippians 4, 9. Philippians 4 and verse 9. The things which you have learned, right? The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen. There are four things. You've learned, you've received. You've heard and you've seen in me. Practice these things and the peace and the God of peace will be with you. Okay? Everyone say the God of peace. Now, remember First Thessalonians 5, and the God of peace will sanctify you holy. Right? Now, who's writing this? Paul is writing as a spiritual father to spiritual sons. And he is saying, the things that you have learned and received, you've heard and seen, you should capitalize or underline in your Bible, in me, he says. The things you've heard, learned, received, in me. What does he say? Then he says, 
He says, you must practice these things. And then he says this, the God of peace will be with, with you. There's no great revelation here. The principle is simple, right? You must obey your spiritual father. And Paul says, you guys are Philippi. No big deal to, no, no, no. You want the guarantee of the presence of the God of peace? I like this. I wrote this in my note. Big guarantee of divine presence. He says, the God of peace will be with you when you obey the things that you've heard, learned, received, seen in your spiritual father. He says, do those things and you will not just have divine presence, but that divine presence will be characterized by substantial peace. You know, half of your problems can be solved just by watching my life. It's a bold statement. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Why would Paul write this to the Philippians? He says, look at me and get guaranteed for a God of peace's presence. Learn of me and I guarantee you the God of peace is going to be with you. Receive from me, I guarantee you the God of peace is going to be with you. He says, the things you've seen in me, do. I guarantee you the God of peace will be with you. The things you've heard me, do. Practice. He says, I guarantee you, God of peace will be with you. Tell your neighbor, it's simple. If you're looking for any other revelation in that verse, there's nothing more. It's simple. He says, things you've seen in me, simply do. Let my love become your love. Let my, my passion for the word become your passion. See how I forgive easily. Copy me and do the same. See how I relate. Copy me and do the same. Tell your neighbor, just copy. Copy, copy, copy. And I'm telling you, the God of peace will be with you. Prioritize the things that I prioritize and see what changes will happen in your life. Simply do. What does it say? Believe in Jehoshaphat. Remember, you're surrounded by three enemies. And they put the musicians in front of the army. They sang, for the Lord is good. And the Lord calls ambushments. That was like suicide, not so. To put musicians in front of the army. Would like to be the flute player in that band. <laughs> and you're going in this, not just, an, it was a three-pronged enemy mightier than yourself. When Jehoshaphat weighed up the odds, he even said, Oh Lord, our eyes are upon you because we are powerless against this mighty enemy. So why must you take drummers, flute players, harp players, saxophonists, guitarists, keyboard players, put them in the front. And you know who said that? A prophet said, do this. And then the word, after that prophecy, this was said. Because it sounded so stupid. It sounded like such irrational thing to do. And that's why God said this to them. Before they obeyed, God said, believe the Lord God and you will be established. But believe his prophets and you will prosper. If you believe the prophet, the man of God, the spiritual father that God put in your life, I guarantee you, you prosper. The God of peace brings rest to your soul and his presence will always be with you. Some of you, the key is right in front of you. Tell your neighbor, you are seeing the key. I'm not being irreligious, neither am I being irreverent. Follow me as I follow Christ. Is the principle. And I guarantee you, the God of peace, guaranteed presence of the Lord will be will be your, your portion. Right? Second Corinthians thirteen eleven says the following. 
Another powerful portion of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 13.11 says the following. Finally, brethren, rejoice. Um, be made complete. I love these short statements of Paul. He says, finally, brethren, rejoice and you be complete. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.23? I pray the God of peace will complete you. Make your spirit, soul, body complete. Nothing missing that was originally allocated for its wholeness. Now, tell your neighbor, we are complete in him. Paul said this in another place. We are complete in Christ. That is positional completeness. But positional completeness must translate into practical completeness. You've got to walk this thing out. Amen? Walk this thing out. So he says, finally, brethren, rejoice. Be made complete. Be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace. And. The God of love and peace will be with you. Here's another guarantee of the God of peace's presence. Now he mentions a few things, four things actually. Be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace. Right? If you live in peace, the God of peace will be with you. Okay? Live in peace and the God of peace will be with you. I wrote you in my notes, another way of looking at this verse is as follows. Listen carefully. Now, let me ask you this before I read the statement. How many of you can honestly say, the peace of God is ruling and reigning in my life? And then go on. The peace of God is ruling and reigning in my spouse. And then go on. Peace of God is ruling and reigning in my children. Then go on. Peace of God is ruling and reigning in my workplace or my business. Wherever I go, my spatial sphere of existence and function is characterized by the peace of God. That must be your reality. Before Paul says this, the God of peace is going to be with you. He makes, he makes four statements. He says, be complete, be comforted, be like-minded, be at one. Right? Live in peace and the God of peace will be with you. I wrote you, if you claim that the God of peace is present with you, then there will be those four things. Completeness, comfort, like-mindedness, and peaceable living. Analyze your relationship a week at a time. Maybe do this, this coming for the next month. Analyze all your relationships a week at a time. Ask yourself, let's just say between your husband and wife, how many times did we argue in one week. What is the flavor and frequency of this relationship? Is it always tension, always conflict, always argument, or is it predominantly characterized by peaceable living? You know, you've got to live at peace. Right? If you live at peace, he says, the God of peace will be with you. Right? So I want to encourage you. Let your home be peace. Right? Don't we have a peace sign? What's a Peace. And I bought, you know, these things you buy at uh, Mr. Price, peace, love, little wooden things you put on. And I bought one piece the other day. That's in our bedroom. Right on top of one of our cabinets, like a little cabinet in our bedroom. Peace. Whenever I walk in, I'm reminded, especially the bedroom, must be a place of, of peace. There we share your intimacies, your heart with your spouse. Must be absolute peace. Amen? And you'll, let me say, Everyone say guaranteed presence. 
please hear me where I'm going this. Guaranteed presence. Guaranteed presence. I know God is with us. He's in us. He's abiding in dwelling presence. But I really believe this measure of presence refers to a manifest presence that positions you to enter prosperity. I'll show you a verse just now. It's a manifest presence that positions you to enter your, your prosperity. Okay? Now, quickly. In Romans 15.33, Paul makes this prayer request to the, to the Roman Christians. Short verse. He says, And now may the God of peace be with you. Why does he focus on this phrase so much in all of his writings? Not God of love. Not God of war. Right? Although he's all of those things. But he says, may the God of peace be with you. Tell it to your neighbor. May the God of peace be with you. May the God of peace be with you. Then also in Second Peter, Peter did the same. I love this phrase. It's, it's one of my, it was one of my favorite grace-related scriptures. Second Peter 1, 2. But now it has become one of my favorite peace scriptures. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? I like the words multiplied here. Right? For those of you who are good at maths, you know what the, the implications of multiplication. Right? This is like exponential increase. Not addition. This is multiplication. Right? Um, the, the result is, is magnified quantumly. Right? The equal to is equal to. The result, the answer is magnified more than simply the addition principle. And the prayer of the Apostle Paul is grace and peace be multiplied to you. I don't doubt that all of you think you are at peace. Tell you never, I know you're thinking you are at peace. <laughs> I know. Right? In fact, some of you are thinking, I'm so glad Randall was ministering this message. I'm so glad that other brothers in the meeting tonight or today because he needs it. <laughs> no, no. You are here. I'm here. This message is for every single one of us. I am saying whatever level of peace you have, multiplied. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. I'm going to be known as the man of peace. As the woman of peace. When people see me, my testimony must be, that brother is not divisive, but for at any turn he's always looking to reconcile, to fix things up, to pass. That must be your legacy. You don't entertain strife and breakages in any... In other words, you become... I'll share this with you next week. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called sons of God. You claim sonship. Peacemaking is your business. You want a ministry, you want a ministry. Prophesy over you quickly. He wants to know your calling. Quickly, pick your hand up. Right? He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Second Peter, Second Corinthians 5, 17. Right? He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So nowadays when people ask you, what's your calling? What's your ministry? My first response is, I'm a minister of reconciliation. Some people are ministers without portfolios. But I'm a minister of reconciliation. What's my, my job description? 
I'm a peacemaker. My sonship in God becomes expressed by my capacity to make peace. I may have to be crucified in the process, no problem, because it's how Jesus did it. But my, at the end of the day is, you know what, I love that verse, I'll share it with you next week. Let me just say it now. In Ephesians, Paul says, He, in his death on the cross, he made two, one new man, making peace between them. Huh? Somebody has got to die somewhere. Say that again. Hear it with your spirit. Somebody has got to die somewhere. Pay the price for peace. You subscribe to this ministry. What you are saying is, God, I don't care about myself. I'm not concerned about my reputation in the eyes of men. So long as at the end of the day, I serve you, please you express my sonship. I become a peacemaker and not a peace breaker. If you opt for peace breaking, maybe you will need a pacemaker. Because you're going to have so much trouble, so much heartache, so much stress and pressure, your heart's going to malfunction. You know, I don't know why Christians live such stressful lives. When life in the kingdom is meant to be enjoyed. Right? When I see you and I want to see your face dull, gloom and lemonish. Take the stress out of your life. Why must you wake up with a headache every day? I'll share with you in two weeks time the, the benefits of peace. One is sleep. From the Bible. You're going to in, some of you are going to start to look forward to going to bed. Right? You're going to look forward. You know what? God made peace. God made sleep. God made rest. And he made it for the benefit of it being enjoyed. I'm going to enjoy my sleep. Some of you are are saying amen in your heart because this is what you want to hear. Because, listen, I said sleep, not laziness. Don't don't misinterpret me. Some people say they'll interpret this as lethargy. Don't hear what I'm not saying. (laughs) I just want to be a person where, like I'm uncluttered. I'm not without problems. But in all my problems, I have this peace. Jesus said, my peace I give you. So peace can be imparted. My peace I give you. Not like the world give. Right? The surpassing peace of God that passes all human understanding. Everyone say again, guaranteed presence. Okay, I have much to say. I'm only on page six. This thing's about 30 pages long on peace. Um, but l- let me just say this. Let me end off with this as, as, an, as a challenge to all of us. If I must prosper in all respects based upon how my soul prospers, and if the prosperity of my soul has got to do with my soul returning to position of rest, and I shared with you two weeks ago, rest is accessed by obedience. And if part of the expression of the rest of the soul is a soul that is filled with the peace of God. Right? And if, after we've just read all of these scriptures, if I come to that position, right, listening to the prophet, and, I'll, and, and, and so I will prosper. If I come to that place where it doesn't make rational sense, everything Randolph says, I will, it's hard to do, but I believe him, things I see in him, hear of him, I will do. And I just said to you, you are guaranteed the God of peace will be with you. Romans fifteen thirty three. may the God of peace be 
with you. Second Peter 1, 2. I pray grace and peace be multiplied to you. The, 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 I want to say it again. Guarantee of divine presence. Guarantee of the presence of the God of peace in your life. Two words translated in the Old Testament, prosperity, are translated into peace. Remember Shalva and Jalom? Right? Two of the words are translated as peace. So in some respects in the Old Testament, peace is synonymous with prosperity. Peace, remember Psalm 122. Psalm 122 says this, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Right? Then it says, may peace be within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. A wall surround palaces, not so? And there the verse is saying, your walls are peace and prosperity is in your palaces. So peace is the protective mechanism for your prosperity. Peace will sustain your prosperity. Right? Without, without the God of peace, you're not going to be prosperous. Now, let me just say this. I'm wanting, and we, we're doing this consciously, even at home, and we're going to intensify it. If I walk in my home, I want to sense presence. I want to sense God is here. Um, wherever I go, I know He's with me. But I'm now trusting God for overt manifest presence. I want to sense God. You know why? I really believe this is another key to us accessing the kinds of prosperity that we're going to have. Let me give you three scriptures and I'll close quickly in reference to this. Uh, Genesis 39 verse 2 and 3 says the following about Joseph. Genesis 39 verse 2 and 3 says the following about Joseph. I'm going to read Joseph, three examples. Joseph, Hezekiah, and David. All three gentlemen prospered and became hugely successful for many reasons. But in the verses that I'm going to read to you now, it isolates the fact that God's overt presence was with them, therefore they prospered. Right? Let's look at them quickly then we'll close. Let's read them. Uh, Genesis, Genesis 39 verse 2 says, And the Lord was with Joseph. Everyone say he was with Joseph. So there's a sense of presence. I'm reading from the King James. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. Can you see the link? Some of you know, you know in your heart, when you're experiencing distance from the Lord. You know it. No one needs to tell you that. You know it. You're far from where you should be. I am saying this to you. Get your act together. Establish peace as a fundamental principle in your life because that's going to recruit presence. The God of peace will be with you. And the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. Now listen to this. And the Lord was in the house of his, and so he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. This wasn't a recognition only within Joseph. Joseph knew I'm prosperous because God's with me. Joseph's master, Potiphar, looks at him, and even Potiphar recognizes everything that Joseph touches prospers because I can discern, I can see it's notable. This is not guesswork. There's obvious signs in Joseph's life that God is with him. This is not recognition by Joseph. Please, this is the conclusion of a heathen master. Looks at a, another bro, uh, brother Joseph and says, sure, you're not just good at what you do. You mean that we, this is when your boss says to you, 
You are not just good at what you do. You are successful because you're carrying something with you. In fact, you're so, it's so obvious, it's notable to me that God is with you. This must, you know, this must be the testimony of heathens in the world. They must look at us and say, Everard is prosperous. You can see it. Why? There's overt evidence of the presence of God in his life. Daryl is prosperous. Why? Now, think of, let's backtrack. Who wants this kind of presence? I am saying, we did a bunch of scriptures just now. The God of peace is going to be with you. What I'm saying, put all of those principles in place that recruit guaranteed presence of God of peace. And that peaceful presence will be the wall around your prosperous palace. Walls around your prosperous palace. It's going to protect it. It will never be lost. Hmm? Presence. That's why practice the presence of God. We should use this phrase in the previous season. Just be aware of the fact God is with me. I will do nothing to allow him to take his, his manifest presence away from me. Two more scriptures, quickly. Three more, actually. Hezekiah, 2 Kings 18, verse 7. Let me just read it because of time. The Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went. The Lord was with him, and he prospered. David, 2 Samuel 5, 10. David became greater and greater, for the Lord God of hosts was with him. All of these gentlemen prospered for one reason only. Yes, they were righteous. Please don't forget the other principles we learned. They were righteous, upright, all the Noah, all the Job principles, right? Hating evil, right? Circumspect, pure, holy. All those are important. And the presence of God comes upon you in a manifest way. And it's the bedrock, it's the foundation that guarantees all your prosperity. One last example. This is perhaps one of the most well-known. 2 Samuel 6. This you must look at quickly. And we'll close. 2 Samuel 6 verse 11. Remember when the ark of the Lord um, was in transit from the Philistine camp? And remember David, David sought to bring it back to Jerusalem? But he did it after the wrong order. And they put it on a Philistine car, uh, cart. And remember it, it toppled and Uzzah tried to steady the ark and he was killed? Right? So the Ark of the Covenant depicts the glory of the Lord and the, the presence of the Lord. Okay? The glory of the Lord and the, the presence of the Lord. Whenever Israel saw the Ark of the Covenant, two things came to mind. God is with us. For them, the Ark of the Covenant meant God is here. God is with us. It depicted both presence and glory. Right? So bringing back the Ark to Jerusalem, please remember... It's Jeru, Yahweh, Salem. He brings it back to a context of peace. The presence abides in a place of peace. The moment you can establish peace, God says, I know that. That's just like me. I'll come there. <laughs> Simple, right? Eh? God says, you live in peace and the God of... Remember the verse right now? Live in peace and the God of peace will be with you. God is looking for a place to lay his head. Right? Peace must typify your, your house. Remember the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant was then brought back after the due order. But before it was brought back after the due order on the 
on poles on the shoulders of the priests. Right? Where was it kept? For three months? Obed-Edom's house. Let's read it. Now, think about it. Even David didn't want to go and touch it. He was so scared. Uzzah tried to steady it, and he consulted the law. I mean, would want to keep this box after what just, what just happened? Would, which of you would have opted to no, bring it to my house? I'll take care of it in the meantime. This guy just tried to, was tippling out of the good motivation of his heart, tried to steady it, and he was struck dead. And, you know, Obed-Edom wasn't even Israel. He was a Philistine. This is the, not, even, not even the common He says, no, bring it here. I'll keep it here in my house. I don't know if you knew the secret or what, but let's read what happened. Um, quickly, quickly. It says, thus the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Right? A Philistine, he was a Gittite. The house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. It, now it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the Ark of, the, of, of God. Amen? Now, Obed-Edom keeps the Ark for three months. Three months. And in three months, the whole world looks at him. It even comes to David's ears. Check how this guy's household and everything he does is starting to prosper. Starting to prosper. Starting to prosper. Because of the presence of the Lord. The presence of God. You can't do without His presence. And I'm saying, the God of peace must be with, must be with you. And everything you will touch will prosper in the name of the Lord. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Whatever you do in your life, don't go out of peace. Right? Become a peacemaker. As I was speaking, God has placed people on your heart. Not so? Not so? That you need to reach out to. I am saying, just, just do it. Do it Monday. Do it tonight if you have. Don't, like, delay. You know, if I were you, and I'm hearing this, and there's issue in my life, I would say, I'm going to go home and have lunch. I'm going to pray and think about it. The sooner I do it, the sooner I prepare the context for my prosperity. I'm not going to defer. I'm not going to wait. The sooner. You know, I lay there last night. I actually said in my mind, God, I'll type this after church tomorrow morning. And I tried to sleep. <laughs> On my mind. I opened up my laptop again. In my bed. It was too cold to go down to my office. <laughs> and I, I typed this. God's saying, the sooner, what are you waiting for? The sooner you do it, the sooner you're going to experience a manifest presence of my nature, of peace within your life. Please remember, peace is not weakness. The moment you opt for this, you're saying, I'm accessing the power of the Prince of Peace. He who has authority to destroy the one who seeks to establish disorder in my life. Amen? It's a tremendously empowering principle. I've determined that I will prosper in all respects. I've determined that all will go well with me and my boys and my girl and my wife. Right? All will go well with us. We will have a, the most peaceful existence. Do you know what? When Jesus was announced, what was the overriding message to the whole earth? 
peace on earth. Peace on earth. The moment you have, you see, the moment the king is born, kingship and peace go together. The moment the king enters in, there's a pronouncement of peace. Can I be prophetic this morning? I announce to you, all of you, in the spirit, as, as, as your father in the Lord, I announce to you, peace on earth. Peace to your world. Peace to your sphere. And goodwill to all men. You see, you can't have peace and men suffer. The moment peace is, there's always goodwill that you engage into all men. Um, and I'm practicing goodness. I was in, uh, we had a Christian book room in the week. And I bought three gifts for three of my ex-principals. I was in the store, the one even in my mind. I came across this one book and I thought, I was browsing through it, a little small. I thought, this is a nice book for a leader. So I was thinking, who can I buy it for, a leader? And I thought, hey, school, school leader, school principal. I'll buy one for four. Oh, I must buy another one. I only bought three. Another one comes to my mind. Four ex-principals. But I must go, and I'll, in the week, I'll go to the school. What is that? They won't say goodwill. It's not good works. The Bible says there are good works that God has ordained that we should, that we should walk there, that we should walk therein. Amen? So I want to encourage you, practice good works. Amen. Hallelujah. When you go home, um, you must practice the, the pronouncement of peace. How about when you wake up tomorrow and your spouse, instead of saying, morning, honey, how's it? You can make a cup of tea, whatever you, however you greet each other in the morning. Start to pronounce peace on each other. Wake up and say, peace to you, my wife. May you have a peaceful day. Prophesy it. Pronounce it. What did I say to them? May the God of peace be with you. May his presence be manifest in your life. May your boss see that God is with you. Hence you are so good at what you do. You're prospering in all respects. May you recruit the attention of others in your world. And may everything you do prosper. I declare peace and goodwill. Peace on your part of your world. And goodwill to all in your sphere. Lift your hands to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your peace has been a revelation to us. Your peace, who you are, the God of peace. I thank you that your, your word even says that the peace of God will keep our hearts and it keeps our minds. I thank you, Lord, you, we will not know the absence of your peace. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall by any means offend them. Thank you, Father, that you give us peace, not as the world give us, gives it to us. Your peace is beyond human comprehension. I pray, God, that we as a church will be known as the most peaceful, peaceable people on earth. I pray none of us will be engaged in division, in negative talk, in slander, in backbiting, but we will only express conversations, acts, and attitudes that make for peace. Let your peace fill our hearts. Prince of peace, come manifest your princely nature within us, kingly nature. 
You has the power to destroy him who establishes this order. Thank you, Lord. Manifest. Manifest this principle within us. In Jesus' name. And may it go well with everyone. May, the, may you, the God of peace, be with us. May we watch our words. Watch our actions. Only say things that make for peace. Only do things if peace is going to be the result. We will not be men of war, but we will be men of peace. Let your peace be the arbitrator. Your word says in Colossians 3.5 that the peace of God must rule in our hearts. Wherever your peace is, there's rulership, governance, power, and authority. I declare ruling peace in everyone's heart in the name of Jesus. Amen.